the book of Jonah. So Jonah, he, he, was, he was commissioned by God to go to Nineveh. The thing, the thing about Nineveh that you have to understand though, was that Nineveh was, it was a wicked city, but it's not just that it was a wicked city. It, it was, it was a city that was, was brutal to, to, to the Israelites. Um, really they were like their, their mortal enemies and, and for God to say to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to preach to them because I want them to repent. Jonah didn't want to do it. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to these guys. These guys are like my, my enemy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pre, I'm not going to help them. I want to see them destroyed. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything to help them. And what, you know what Jonah did? He went the opposite way and he got on a boat and this boat, um, it, it got stuck in a terrible storm. And like the people on the boat are like, Jonah, we think it's you. I think, I think you've got a problem, buddy. So we're, we're going to have to like throw you off, <laughs> throw you off of this boat. Um, now I know if you're picturing a boat, you're probably like picturing like a yacht nicely sailing through the, through the river. That's, that's not what these kind of boats were like. And, um, and the people on the boat were like, buddy, wait, you're out of here because this is clearly your fault. So they threw him off the boat and God sent a fish to swallow Jonah. Now, everybody says that it was a whale. Uh, the Bible says it was a big fish. So um, I'm going to go with a, a fish. Uh, so swallowed up Jonah. He stayed in the fish um, for three days. And then the fish spit him out. And then he decided, all right, I'm going to have to obey God this time. Because when I tried to disobey him, I ended up, ended up on a boat, almost drowned. Then I got swallowed by a fish. Um, they call him, they call him the reluctant prophet. <laughs> because he had such a, just, just consider this for a second. He had such a strong word to give that would be able to turn around a whole city. So this guy obviously had like a, a, a strong anointing on him to be able to be the one to go to a wicked city and to preach to them, to, to, to repent. Um, <laughs> this is a good life lesson. Do what God tells you to do, or you might get swallowed by a fish. Really good life lesson. Um, so let's pick it up. Um, Let's see, because I don't, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, yeah, so when Joe, obviously when Jonah was in the whale, the whale, sorry, I said whale, no whale, fish, it was a fish. Um, he prayed and then, um, whales are mammals. Yeah, I, it's true stuff, but I don't think it was a whale. I just think it was a big fish. Well, that's, that's what the Bible says that, that it was a, a, a large fish. Wait, let me, let me go back, uh. Where is it? Here it is. So chapter 117 says, but the Lord provided a great fish. So there it says fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So it was a fish. Um, if it was a whale, I'm pretty sure it would have said whale, right? I don't know why um, it's become whale. After, uh, you know what I mean? When I was a kid, you know, you'd, when, and we'd have like Sunday school class with like the cartoons, right? The cartoon characters uh, of Bible stories, it'd be like, it looked like a whale. So then you'd see like Jonah, like sitting inside the whale and anyways, but it was a fish. So let me pick it up from uh, Jonah chapter three. So this is after, 
Um, this is after the fish spit Jonah back onto dry land. So Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of, of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So now he, um, he, he decided to obey. He obviously wasn't, didn't want to go through that again. <laughs> um, now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. So that, <laughs> that, think about that. He went in there and on the first day, he started to preach to them um, to, to repent and turn, turn to God and they believed. And it says they declared a fast, um, all of them from the greatest to the least and put on, on sackcloth. Um, and then the king of Nineveh said in verse nine, who knows God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. So Nineveh, like I said, was a very wicked city. And they did, they did terrible things to, to the people of God. But God sent Jonah to preach to them. They repented and turned from their ways. And God forgave them. Now that's a nice ending to the story. But Jonah wasn't happy about it. <laughs> in, let's pick it up in, in chapter 4. Uh, because you'd think as a preacher, as a prophet, when you, when you have a, a mission to do, and on the first day of the mission, you, you barely had to say anything and the people listened and they repented and turned and God saved them. You should be happy about it. You should be like mission accomplished. I did. I obeyed God and I had the intended result, but that's not how it was for Jonah. Uh, chapter four, verse one, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Oh Lord, is, is this not what I had said when I was at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than live. So Jonah basically is, is telling God, this is exactly why I didn't want to obey at first, because I knew that you would forgive these people, these people that have made our lives miserable. These people that have done terrible things to us. I knew that, that, that if I was to go and tell them to repent, that you would forgive them. Because you're a God that's, that's slow to anger and abounding in love. Verse 4. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat at a, a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for, for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? 
I do, he said, I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? The ending of Jonah always was interesting to me because it, it was kind of an abrupt ending. God's having this, this conversation with Jonah and then the book just ends. And he says, should I not be concerned about that great city? And you know what? This is the, it, this is actually not the end of Nineveh's story. It's the end of Jonah's part in the story, but it's not the end of the story. And I think that, that, uh, um, something that God was showing Jonah, uh, in this situation. Yeah. He, God was very patient. Um, but Jonah described God perfectly, right? Slow to anger, abounding in love, gracious and compassionate. Um, God was showing Jonah an important truth. And that's a truth that we hear Jesus say in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, that, that's not what Jonah wanted to do. That's why he went the other way. He, 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 he went the complete opposite direction. He's like, I'm not going there. Because I know that if I go there and preach to those people, then they're going to be saved. And they're not going to pay for all the things that they did to us. Let me flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, um, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. You know, the, when, when I think about Jonah, you know, I understand why he was upset because, you know, it, it almost seemed unfair in a sense. It seemed unfair because, you know, if it's the, the people of Nineveh, he, <laughs> the people of Nineveh, he thought, well, they deserve to be punished for what they've done. They deserve to be punished for what they've done to us. You know, but, but God's, God's lesson of compassion. And, and again, that was in the old Testament. They hadn't even had Christ yet. And even still he gave them a chance to repent. He said, I'm going to send you to them and I'm going to give them a chance to repent. And if they turn, I will, I, I'll forgive them. And you know, this, this, <laughs> this chapter, this, uh, this chapter in Ephesians, you know, it, it, it's, it's important to remember, you know, actually let's go up to verse 25. Um, therefore you, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body in your anger. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You know, I think in, in, in the case of Jonah, he certainly 
um, he certainly gave the devil a foothold in his life because as soon as he, he left to go to Tarshish, what happened? He ended up in the middle of a storm and he almost sunk an entire boat with a bunch of people on it that are kind of like, bro, we let you on and, and, and we're going to drown because of you. You know, trouble followed him the whole way because he, 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 he was trying to, to, to go against what God had told him to do. And he was angry. Um, and you know what? When I read this scripture in Ephesians, it reminds me of something. The most, imp the most important thing that we could do as Christians is to never let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Hey, Joe. Not, not, not to, to talk about in a way that tears other people down, but rather in a way that builds each other up. You know, um, bitterness, rage, anger, slander, that's sinful. That's not behavior that should ever come from a child of God. I agree, Steph, 100%. <laughs> um, and, you know, and it says again in Ephesians 25, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully for we're all members of one body. So there is a, 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 a I guess you can say a code of conduct for the children of God. Don't be people um, that, that speak falsehood, but be people that speak truthfully um, because it, it's actually, it's sin to, 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 to speak falsely against your neighbor, especially someone from the body of Christ. You know, um, in the case of Jonah, you know, that was his enemy, right? Nineveh was his enemy. So you, so you could understand, um, why he was upset, but in this scripture in Ephesians, this is referring to people who are in the body with you. So we, you know, there, there, there's a, 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 um, I guess you could say a rule in a sense as people in the body of Christ, we can't spend our time tearing each other down. We can't spend our time, um, um, you know, uh, tr trying to like j just speak bad things all the time against people. That's, that is not how a child of God should behave. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 14. Sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> that, you know. That's not always an easy thing, is it? It's not always an easy thing to pray for somebody who's hurting you. You know, Jonah was not interested in it. It's only because he literally got swallowed by a fish that he changed his, he changed his tune. But really, that's not what he, that's not what he wanted to do. Because it's not easy. That bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So if somebody is coming against you, the solution is not to curse them. It's not, it's not to tear them down. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Hi, Sylvan. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to, to avenge, I will repay. So if you're ever asking yourself the question, how do I deal with somebody who's, who's doing bad things to me? Well, this scripture is quite clear. Bless those who persecute you. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. So, so, so think about it this way. If we learn in the book of Ephesians to not let any un unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. So that's what we learned in the book of Ephesians. And here over in the book of Romans, what do we learn? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. So if somebody is bad-mouthing you, if somebody is, is, is speaking falsehoods about you, you don't repay that by doing the same thing to them. Rather, rather, bless those who persecute you. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Live at peace with everyone. You know, that, that, that verse particularly, um, verse 19, it's, it's so important to understand um, that, that God, God, God will not be mocked. You know, God honors his word and God is a just God. Hi, Lawrence. Welcome. The, do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, there's nothing worse. for Listen, for somebody who doesn't like you, um, there's nothing worse than when you're nice to them. It drives them crazy because they're like, <laughs> they're expecting you to like yell at them or get mad at them or tell them off or like write some kind of, um, you know, cryptic Instagram message, like, you know, not, not specifically saying their name, but you know that you're talking about them. That's what they want. But, but imagine that, that you do what the scripture says and you say, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's a great, great scripture. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So therefore, if evil is done to you, what do you do? You don't seek revenge. That's the Lord's job. He'll take care of that. What you do is you overcome evil with good because then you can't be accused of anything. Because if you constantly do the right thing and, and, and you refuse to, to gossip, you refuse to backbite, you refuse to slander people, you refuse to say, you know, say things against people, you, you know, nobody's going to say like, like Maria, sorry, Maria, cause your name's right there. If somebody does something to Maria uh, or, or talks bad about her or, or says something that isn't true. Um, and then she doesn't respond and she's nice to them. And then you might see them in person and she says, oh, it's hi, nice to see you. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> that, 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 that's, it's, it's better not to be cryptic. It's true. Um, 
you know, and, and, and she's nice, they're going to be like, man, this Maria, I, I thought that, uh, I thought that she'd be mad for sure. And she didn't do anything. That's, and then it's like, and then, and then what are they going to do? You know? So, so remember that, that the vengeance belongs to the Lord. Um, now let's go back to the story of Jonah, because as I mentioned, the story of Jonah ends there and it ends abruptly. It's just God, you know, kind of, um, scolding Jonah in a sense that it's like, you're complaining about this, but you know, trying to show him something. And the story just ends there. But that's only Jonah's part in the story because we, we come back to Nineveh a little while later in the book of Nahum. I think I said it right. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard a sermon from the book of Nahum. It's a great book. So 150 years after Jonah, the prophet Nahum predicted the destruction of Nineveh. So Nineveh, it, it, you know, they did repent. They did turn and God spared them. But just a, a, you know, a few generations later, not only did they go back to their wicked ways, um, but they were even worse than before. So, so they did repent and they did turn, but it didn't last. And so the prophet Nahum now comes on the scene and he's predicting um, the destruction of Nineveh. And I'm going to read a little note regarding the book, the book of Nahum and exactly what it's about. The book of Nahum was written to the kingdom of Judah, though it concerned the fall of Nineveh. It was no doubt an encouragement to the Jews to hear that the Lord would vindicate his holiness on the wickedness of the ruthless empire of Assyria. So, so in, what we find happening here in the book of Nahum is that he's giving an encouragement to God's people and saying, God will vindicate. He, he, he will show his wrath on these people because they refused, uh, they refused to obey him. It lasted for a little bit and then they went right back and, and, and were even worse than before. So let me pick it up at Nahum chapter one and verse one, an oracle concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and maintains his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm. The clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither and the blossoms of of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence, the world and all who live in it. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. Verse seven, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. It's funny because we, we're reading about how God 
is how God takes vengeance, how God will pour out his wrath on evil people, how the guilty will not remain unpunished. And then he reminds us, but the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So I'm going to tell you today that as long as you're on the Lord's side, you don't have to worry. If you know and are assured that you're, the, you're, you're a person who trusts in God and looks to him as your refuge, you're going to be safe. You don't have to worry, even in times of trouble, even in times that it looks like everything's against you. The Lord is a stronghold for those who trust him. And the rest of Nahum is basically... Uh, um, <laughs> Just, just the fall of Nineveh and all, all the bad things that's going to happen to them. And I don't know, I, I, I mean, I hope Jonah got a, a, good, a good view, <laughs> wherever he was, um, to see that God indeed fulfilled his word um, because he, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not the kind of God that doesn't, doesn't fulfill his word. Um, and so God, he had a lot of anger against the city of Nineveh, but he gave them a chance. He gave them a chance to repent. And that's the key because what's the whole point? The whole point is to see people come to repentance, repentance and come to the saving knowledge of Christ that, you know, even those people who, who, you know, quote unquote would be our enemies. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? When he was being whipped and beaten, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, it's interesting that, that when God described the people of Nineveh, he said they don't know their right hand from their left, which means they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't realize what they were doing. And God gave them an opportunity to repent and he used Jonah for that. And Jonah did eventually, <laughs> eventually preach to them. And they turned, but it didn't last. And God is true to his word. And he said, you know, when, when the scripture says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's exactly what happened. And the prophet Nahum, I would, if I were you, I'd read, it's a very short book. It's like three chapters. Um, and you see uh, the, predict, the predicted dis destruction of Nineveh. And if you go over to, to Psalm chapter 9, you see a lot of those same words. Psalm 9. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause. You have sat on your throne judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken the enemy. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the people with justice. Look at verse 9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. Doesn't that remind you of what the prophet Nahum says? Taking a pause from the wrath to remind you. 
The Lord is a refuge, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You know, because the interesting thing that you have to see is that it seemed like God had forsaken his people because these were, 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 were enemies of them. And yet he forgave them. He's like, well, they turned. I gave them a chance to repent. They turned. Um, and so I forgave them. And so in the eyes of somebody like Jonah, he felt like, man, all this. And just like that, you forgave them. But just remember, like I said, God will not be mocked. The vengeance belongs to the Lord and the wicked never go unpunished. Your enemy, your enemy will not go unpunished. We, we want them to repent. We want them to, to be saved. We want them to, to, to come back if they've, if they've went astray. That's what we want. We, we want to see people come to that saving knowledge of Christ. That's why we pray for them. But if they refuse, they will face judgment. That's what the scripture says. That's what we could be assured of. Verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he, avenges, for he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. O Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death. Then I may declare your praises in the gates of the daughter of Zion. And there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. <laughs> I, I, I love, I, wait, let me, let me finish the verse. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. So, so it, put it this way. The enemy sets a trap and they fall into it themselves. They might set a trap for you, but they're the ones that are going to end up being caught in their own net. They're the, one that, they're the ones that are going to fall into their own pit. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to take that vengeance on yourself because the vengeance belongs to the Lord. That's why the scripture says, don't take revenge. Put it in the hands of the Lord. Like Haman that was hung from his own gallows. What did Esther do? She didn't, she didn't try to say, well, I got to take down this guy. No, she did what was right. And what ended up happening is that the very way that Haman wanted to destroy the people, that's how he was destroyed. So, so consider that and think about that when you're faced with, with, with something that might be happening to you or someone that might be trying to come against you. The nations have fallen into the pit that they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. Don't think for one second that, the, that, that wicked people are just going to go on unscathed. Again, that's why we pray for them. I don't want to see anybody punished. I don't want to see anybody uh, uh, come to destruction. That's why God, that's why the word says he's being patient so that everyone has a chance to repent. So that everyone has a chance because once we're out of here, as we've learned from the book of Revelation, <laughs> they're on their own. Um, and and, and there's, a, there's a lot worse punishment coming. So that's why we pray for our enemies and we pray, um, we pray that they come to Christ. But if they don't, you can be sure that they will pay a price for it. 
And that's not me saying it because I want it. That's what the word says. The Lord is known by his justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. So the very thing that they tried to do to you, they're going to be ensnared by that wickedness. And so again, it might seem now like you're, we're just a bunch of Jonas and we're sitting here and we're like, man, why aren't these people being punished? Why aren't these things, you know, and not understanding, but, but believe me, God will avenge. It says he, he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. There will be, there will be vindication. If somebody has tried to destroy you, or come against you and refuses to turn, there will be vindication. Verse 17, the wicked return to the grave, all the nations that forget God, but the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. Arise, O Lord, let not man triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, O Lord. Let the nations know they are but men. Because there's a lot of people that think that they're more powerful than God, that they know more than God, that they, you know, that they're not afraid. Oh, God can't touch me or I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm powerful. I have all the power. I have all the money that people do what, what they tell me to do. <laughs> Let the nations know they are but men. You know, it, it, it's like, it's like God is, 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 is waiting and he's saying, okay, I'm giving you a chance. But if you don't turn, this is what's going to happen. And he makes it plain. There's, there's no one that could ever say, well, I didn't know what was going to happen. That's why, that's why we preach the word. So that people have an opportunity to know. Because how will they know if they have not heard? And how will they hear unless somebody tells them? So that's our responsibility. Don't be like Jonah and run the other way. Tell them. And then it's up to them. And if they don't end up uh, uh, turning to the Lord, or if they turn him and then, and then turn away, God will take vengeance on them. Pray for your enemies. Pray for, love them. Pray for those who persecute you. But know that the vengeance belongs to the Lord. That's why we don't take revenge, you know. I think the easy thing to do, um, would be to, you know, defend yourself and say, well, you know, you're wrong because of this, because of that. Um, that's right, Steph. <laughs> um, you know, and, and say, well, I got to defend myself. I got to, I got to, I got to stand, you know, I, I, I can't let them think this. Listen, you just keep doing what is right. You just keep doing what God told you to do. You know, I, I'll take this moment to say this. I'm very proud to be a part of, of Good News Chapel. And I, 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 I'm honored to be under the leadership of, of, of Pastor Steve and Pastor Jess because they do what they, what they believe the Lord is telling them to do. They don't, they, don't, uh, uh, you know, they don't change their mind based on what somebody says or change their mind based on... The, they stick to the word and they do what God's told them to do. And that's the kind of church I want to be in. You know, I, I want to be in a place where the leadership have made a decision and they say, we're going to do what God told us to do. And, and if people don't like it, then that's their choice. But, but at, cause at the end of the day, we answer to God. We don't answer to people, you know, 
We're we're not gonna be we're not gonna be at the end of our life, and the public health department's gonna be like, well, uh, you know, no, <laughs> we're gonna stand before the Lord and be accountable for everything that we did here. And you know, it is it, it's not easy to be a pastor. You know what? It is easy to do. It's easy to criticize. You know, I I, I was a sports writer for many years, and when you're when you're a sports writer, um, you know, you you basically are paid to, to, to criticize what the athletes are doing, you know, but the thing is you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're watching them. And I, and I, um, it was probably about 2009. I started playing hockey myself. Um, and I loved it. I wasn't the best player, but I tried. I was very fast. I had that. I, I was really fast, but I, I, as you could see, I'm not a very, um, I'm a big person. So when like a very large, woman is like bearing down on me, crushing me into the boards, you know, it's tough, but I, I did my best. Um, but it is a different story when you're in the game, as opposed to being on the sidelines. When you're on the sidelines, it's easy to say, oh, why didn't you do that? Or you should have done that. Look, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I, I like to watch, um, I like to watch football and you know, people, the, you always hear like the, the, the people the next day, they call them, um, the Monday morning quarterback. Thanks, Steph. They call him the Monday morning quarterback. And they're like, oh, he missed that throw. He should have thrown to that guy. That guy was wide open. Why didn't you throw to him? And you have the people on Twitter that, that they're, they're, they weigh like 300 pounds and they haven't ran in like 20 years. And they're like, oh, um, if they just would have scored that point or why didn't, do, they, why didn't they do that? Um, armchair pastors. That, that's what I'm going to call them. Why didn't they do that? Because it's so easy to sit on the sideline and think that you understand what it is to actually be in the game. But I certainly learned when I actually became an athlete that it's very different when you're in the game as opposed to on the sidelines. So it's not easy to be a pastor um, ever, especially not now. So it's important to, to, to support your pastor. Um, you know, we're, we're all, we're all in the body of Christ. What did I just read in Ephesians? You know, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but build each other up. Because you know what? We're never going to do anything if we're divided. We're never going to do anything if we're, if there's infighting and we're against each other. Forget it. God doesn't bless division. He doesn't like it. That's not, that's not, that's not what he likes, you know? So, so we, you know, you have to understand that, that we have to live according to the word. And if you live according to the word, then, then you can't go wrong. And that's just the way it is. And so let's be people that use the word as our guide. And that's what we follow leading us into all truth. And, and, and that's how, that's how we decide to live our lives and don't pay attention to the spectators. Because the spectators are just sitting up there thinking that they could do better if they were in the game. I realized I can't do better. <laughs> uh, you know, definitely not. You know, so it actually, it actually changed my perspective of, 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 of covering the sport. Um, when I realized it's difficult to play and I know they get paid a lot of money to do it. And that's part of why they get criticized a lot. But anyways, that's why we love sports. I love sports. I don't know if you guys do. Um, maybe instead of food, we'll have a choose our favorite sport or something like that. 
I might lose all the women, but maybe not. Um, <laughs> except the CFL, the, the Great Cup was a great game. Rough ending if you're if you're a Hamilton fan, but that that was a pretty good game. Um, but you know, and that that's a great example because I was sitting there watching the 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 um, the Great Cup last night, and and it was it was uh, the end of the it was the end of the fourth quarter, and Hamilton. Could have scored a touchdown. They were so close, and I was like, "Man, I didn't, I, I didn't like the play call." I'm like, "What was that play call?" And then I reminded myself, "I'm not there, you know. I'm not there. I'm not playing. I know how difficult it is. Um, I know how difficult it is to make those calls. I know, I know that I don't know the the how the weather felt. I don't know, like you know, there's so many factors and variables. So it's easy to sit on the sideline and judge." It's easy to sit on the sideline and say, if it was me, I would have done it different. Okay, then go ahead and try. I'd like to see you try. Because you don't carry the weight and the responsibility that the people that are actually in the game carry. It doesn't mean anything to you. You're, you're gonna, I closed the game and I, I went off and, and watched a, a Hallmark Christmas movie because, you know, the, the, it meant nothing to me. I'm not, I'm not part of the team. I'm not on the team. I have no, I have no horse in the race. I didn't even, neither of the teams were my favorite team anyways. Um, you know, so it's easy to, to say, oh, I would have done this if I were them. That you don't have, you don't carry that responsibility. Steph, I don't know what you're talking about. Hallmark movies are probably the most original, um, interesting plot lines I've ever seen. I never know what's going to happen. You know, at the end of the movie, I'm always like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm shocked, did not see that coming. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for, for the great protection and provision that you've given to us, for the favor that you've shown us. I thank you that we can trust that you're our stronghold in times of trouble, that we can put our hope in you, that you are our refuge, that you are our strong tower, that you are our safety. I thank you that, that we don't pay attention to the things that are going on around us, but we keep our eyes focused on you. Because you, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Our faith is not dictated by other people or by other things. We have to place our hope and our trust and our faith in you. So Father, I thank you that even in times that might present opposition, we know that, that the opposition comes because we're doing the right thing. Because the devil doesn't bother with people who aren't making a dent into the kingdom. The devil bothers with people who he knows are trying to destroy him. So Father, I pray that even as we might face some challenges, we know that we already have the victory. We're not begging for victory. We're not hoping for victory. We're not crossing our fingers. No, we know that through Christ, we we already have the victory and we know that anything that might try to come against us we don't have to fight it or worry it because the vengeance belongs to the Lord thank you father that we can trust in you that we can put our hope in you that all it takes is one person with faith backed by you and we can do anything it only took David to stand before Goliath and to see him fall because one person from God plus God is the majority
So Father, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you cover us with your, with your, with your strength. I pray that, that you be with those, like, like the word says, that we mourn with those who mourn. I pray that you be with, with families that, that are hurting right now, that you comfort them. And, and that we would be people who are part of the solution and not part of the problem. So Father, I thank you for being our stronghold. And I thank you that we can trust in you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you. I pray if, if, if anyone else out there is facing sickness in their body, Father, I pray that you touch them now in the name of Jesus, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I thank you that our healing was purchased when you took those, Jesus took those stripes on his back, that we can be assured that healing is, is ours in the name of Jesus. So Father, I pray that you be with them. I pray that they begin to feel your healing power all throughout their body. Father, I pray, pray you be with us. I thank you for our church. I thank you for our pastors. I thank you that you've placed us under the watch and care of people who put you first and who will bow to no one but you. Thank you, Lord. I pray these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. That wonderful name that's above every other name. Amen. Amen.